Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Me too. They're my favorite team. My name is Bug. B E N. Ben. Yeah, this is my name. Is your is your middle name Dover? No. <laughs> Welcome to the third episode of the Hunt for Reds October podcast. I'm your host Coop. Uh, along with me this week is Borf. Borf, how are you doing? I'm doing great tonight. I am drinking the uh, 50 West Coast to Coast IPA. IPAs are terrible. <laughs> IPAs are delicious. What are you talking about? We also have a couple of new podcast guests today. So let's hear it from Kevin. Kevin, how's what it up? Oh, it's going good. Kevin? Hopefully all the kids are in bed, but I'm here. Kevin has 37 kids. <laughs> <laughs> And also today, we have Branch with us. Branch, how's it going? It's going good. It's going real good. All right. Well, let's just dive right into some hot fucking stove. What do you say? Hot fucking stove, my favorite thing. So, some reports out there that I read, I think it was from Mark Sheldon, who said that the Reds' interest in Dallas Keuchel is not as high as been previous reported. What do you make of that? Let's start with Borf. So, fair for Mark Sheldon to see that. I also saw something uh, contrary to that. I think uh, I don't know where the report came from. I did see I did see the screenshot of what was said, and they reported the Reds to get Keuchel. I think at four years, eighty-five million. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that's conjecture or not. To be honest with you, um, in my heart of hearts, do I see the Reds getting Keuchel? I don't. But I would love to see them get him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how realistic it is, though. Yeah, I, I also wonder if it's a bit of posturing to try to uh, maybe talk him down a little bit to say, oh well, maybe our interest isn't as high as uh, what's been reported. What do you think, Kev? Well, you got to. To me, you got to take things from Mark Sheldon with a grain of salt because I don't know if you've listened to any of their podcasts, but they poo-pooed the idea of getting any kind of major free agent signing anybody that would make more than eight or ten million dollars a year they're big fans of re-signing matt harvey and going forward with that and maybe a couple relievers they're not saying any big trades or anything like that so that's where i look at it with him is he may be spitting that out for the exact reason you just stated coop but then again we've never ever signed somebody to a, a deal like this a free agent to a deal like that and, you know, four years, 84, I think, would be just about the right price for him. And it would be it would show that they're actually serious and it would give the fan base something to to look at. And, hey, we went out there and got one of the top free agents. It'd be a, a big boon for for having fan excitement. But right now, I think it's it's getting to a precipice of uh, uh, apathy right now. So. so what was that that can whether it was conjecture or not, 21 million dollars a year branch, do you? You see the Reds spending $21 million a year on a free agent pitcher? 
Yeah, I'm, my guess is they've probably already offered that uh, to, to Dallas K. Uh, and more than likely his agent's trying to up it a little bit. Uh, that would be where the, the they're all over him. I believe it was Bleacher Report that had had him had them coming down with that uh, four years, eighty four million. And uh, I think we're just playing a little agent games right now. He's probably got some other offers on the table because a lot of teams are going to offer him three because of his age. Yeah, and maybe trying to get another fourth year out of another team, but that's, that 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 number sounds really about right for him. I, I so, yeah, go ahead. Not to interrupt. So, with that being said, so say in, if, if say we were to offer him even three years with a fourth option, or even four years with a fifth option, if you're able to get him in that eighty to ninety million dollar range with an option, I mean, is that something that makes sense for the Reds right now? Well, it depends on what other moves they're willing to make. It, I I really agree with you. If if they're just signing Keuchel and that's it. No, it doesn't make any sense. If they're planning on trading for maybe another starter or trading for a center fielder or or signing a stopgap before Taylor Trammell is is ready, that would you know, say like an AJ Pollock for say two or three years. If they're willing to make other moves, it makes sense. If it's the only move, no, because just Keuchel is not going to put this team in the playoffs. I, I agree with you. Well, let's let's digress and, and, and see where we go. Well, let's talk about some other hot fucking stove topics. Um, Tyler Colvin, also known as Patrick Corbin, signed for six years and $140 million. Branch, what do you think of that contract? Overpay. Huge overpay. I agree. That's going to bite them in the ass something fierce. Kev? I think... I think um... They had all that Bryce Harper money they wanted to burn and had to get the top three agent before the Phillies got him. And, yeah, they're going to regret that. Because out of all the pitchers that are available in trades and free agents, he was the one that really is seems like the most untrustworthy. He had one good year. Yeah. I, it's depend, depend. hard to have a large six-year six deal with a lot of money on that one year. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big average annual value. Borf, um, what do you think of that contract? I, I I also tend to agree. I think that I know people were super high on Patrick Corbin this year, and I know that a lot of people wanted the Reds to sign him. Uh, I don't think it would have made sense for the Reds Reds to sign him with what the Nationals got him at. Uh, he's he's been good. He's got a career WAR of of twelve point four. I mean, he's under four point four year ERA. Last year he was three point one five. He's definitely a good pitcher. Um, I think for the Nationals it made sense because it solidifies their rotation even more. Now they've got Scherzer, Strasburg, and then Corbin. That's a pretty, it's a pretty solid top three, and they can afford that money. Uh, I for what he signed for, it definitely did not make for make sense for what the Reds are looking to do. Absolutely not. Um, and I've heard the Nationals still think they're going to be able to re-sign Bryce Harper, which I don't see that. Uh, I, I I don't necessarily see it, but with the contracts that we've seen in the last couple of years with a lot of different buyouts, um, I could see them spending that kind of money. I also I also don't think they're going to sign him because I think Bryce Harper really wants to explore the market and go to somewhere else. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, though. I think Harper wants to go on the West Coast. That that's that's just the, me. The West Coast in a big market. Right. So like Los <laughs> Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Angels, something like that, or even the Dodgers. Um, 
I don't see him going to the Mariners. No. Because the Mariners are definitely not what he's looking for right now. No, and the Mariners are tearing it down. Yeah, exactly. They're just doing complete rebuild. Um, and definitely not the Padres. So if anything, yeah, he's definitely going to like a, he's definitely going to an LA market if he's going to West Coast. Yeah. Um or just, just if, good. if he uh if he picks a team he thinks he's gonna move to Las Vegas. Yeah. Or or will Las Vegas have an expansion team? I thought did the MLB not announce that? Or maybe am I crazy? There were some rumors about possibility of two expansion teams. Why don't we jump into that real quick? Two expansion teams. If it were to happen, what cities would you pick? Kev, you go first. Montreal 100% has to be has I to be number one. Absolutely agree with Montreal. I I agree with that. And I think I think Vegas is a very very viable option too. You don't have very many well you got the Oakland Raiders going to Las Vegas soon. Uh, other, and you got the new hockey team there. Other than that, you don't have you obviously don't have the baseball presence there. But for the minor league team, there's a lot of money there, uh, and a ton of money. Baseball would honestly wait to see um, if it was a few years down the road. They'd wait to see how Oakland, how the Raiders, you know, went out there and what happened with all that. Because I, I think they're still a bit hesitant about going into Vegas with gambling and stuff. But then again, what did they just do? Didn't they just sign a big deal with? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That that deal pretty much solidifies that they would go to Vegas if if things worked out. Would you pick Vegas over, say, Portland, Oregon? Uh, I personally would. Um, I'm not I'm not opposed to that, but give me the reasons why Portland may be better than Las Vegas. Um, just because it would be in the summer, the biggest show in town. I know. I mean, they got the Timbers and. They draw really well, but, you know, other than – their only pro teams are the Timbers and the Trailblazers. Trailblazers are going to be in the winter. You won't have any competition there. It's always been mentioned as a potential new market. Market size, it's pretty similar to Vegas in terms of, like, the TV market. Fair. Um, so I, think I think Portland's uh, already got funding for a stadium if they ever do get one. Really? They've already got everything in place. That's good to know. And what is it a triple A team that they have in Portland? Or is it double A? They've got a they've got a minor league team, I don't know. Again, I think it's triple A. Um it's not Seattle's triple because I think they're in Tacoma, right? Yeah. Uh the Portland Mavericks. They're independent. Oh. Even easier to go in. Portland is, is um since all they've got is what, NBA right now? They have yeah. And MLS. They're screaming and itching for something else. So other than those two cities, like, would a Nashville be able to support an MLB team? Nashville would kill the Reds. (laughs) I take a big chunk of their market. I think the Reds would would put up a fit if someone tried to crack into the Nashville market because there's a lot of people that come up from Tennessee to see the Reds. That's for sure. I agree with them. The well, whole Central Kentucky market, yeah, Bowling Green. Absolutely, Definitely. Central Kentucky. The Reds would put a put up a fit. Well, not not only them, but like they would take up away from the Braves and the Cardinals because that whole area, that's where everybody, you know, between Memphis and Nashville, that's where everybody divides on which teams they mm-hmm. do, and those are the three closest teams. And if they did that, it would take from all three of them. 
Absolutely. So and Memphis is the AAA team of uh, St. Louis. Yeah. So then looking at that, is there is there an issue with the market for a team in Vegas? In the surrounding areas. I mean, you've maybe got Colorado. Um, it, other, maybe, it's closer maybe, to Arizona. Yeah, maybe the Diamondbacks. But, I mean, even the Diamondbacks are thinking about moving from – what, are they in Scottsdale right now or am I making that up? I think they were thinking about moving to Scottsdale if they don't get a new stadium. Okay. And Vegas would have a lot of people show up from out of town. Yep. They, they well, would. They would. You'd, you'd see the most different color jerseys in Vegas. You know, well, from 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 uh, visiting teams. And the thing, and the thing with Vegas is the Golden Knights, the NHL team. They have been selling out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. did they get to the championship? Round the yeah yeah they got to the NHL final the Stanley Cup finals last year as an expansion team yeah and, and even if it, it, even even if it's all hometown fans or not I mean you've always got tourists cycling into Vegas mm-hmm. you know any time so I mean realistically this is it's probably a good market for the MLB I think I agree with you though about uh, they might want to see what the Raiders do for the first year or two yeah I I agree. And it's I don't think it's something that's happening next year or the year before. I think it's something that happens maybe 20, 2022, 2023, something like that. After the National League gets the D8. Yeah, well, well we, well, we can all – I, I kind of talked with Borf about this earlier. You mentioned the DH. There was – there's I think it was Jason Stark was talking about an initiative that's kind of growing about trying to get the shift, the defensive shift banned or mm-hmm. limited. I personally do not agree with that at all. I just wanted to get what you all's takes are on that. Uh, so my personal opinion is I don't think you should ever ban the shift. Um, I, think it's, I think it's just a defensive tactic, tactic of baseball. Um, it, I, my personal opinion, that's like telling a basketball team that you can only run a two, three zone or, Telling a football team you can only run, uh, you know, four three cover two, or only a, a three four cover three, or just restricted to only one defensive position. Um, I think that I think it's on the hitters to adjust, and it's not on the league to cater to left-handed hitters that can only pull the ball and only insist on hitting home runs or nothing else. Um, I I love home runs. I love. I love offense. I love I love runs scored. All of that, but I don't think that I don't think you need to punish the defensive side of baseball because hitters can't adjust and are deciding to go a different way. Well, you, Does that make sense? No, I agree with you. What do you think, Branch? Uh, I'd like to see him maybe maybe do it. Um, just and not be too extreme about it. Just two guys have to be on the right side of second base. Two guys have to be on the left. And, you know, I mean, if they want to stand them right on top of each other, fine, don't care. But uh, just for the very fact of it does kill a lot of a lot of decent moments in games. And it's in what I what I miss is being starting a rally and getting a lot of hits in an inning doesn't really do much for you. And if you say you drop the bunt down the third baseline when they are in the shift and you get to first base, you've still done what the defense wanted you to do. Because, you know, we got, what, a 7% chance of scoring from first base yeah. when you're on. But second base, it's something higher. So what the hitters have done have went to a, okay, we're going to get it up over the shift. And we've kind of ended up with more three true outcome swings. 
And I know that's rewarding that by getting rid of it, but I, I can I see the point to where I I, I kind of would like to see guys try to actually put the ball in play gap to gap a little bit more. But that's not what happened. What happened was these hitters wanted to elevate the ball and get it out of the ballpark over the shift. And we've ended up with the strikeouts being way up. And uh, I, I really hate seeing a blue put that should be over a second baseman's head get caught. <laughs> it just drives me nuts because it's yeah. in shallow right, you I, know. I think part of it is some a lot of a lot of hitters are just so intent on trying to hit the ball out of the park that they're rolling over the ball that used to be a sing eye single that with a shift is an out. Yeah, I mean I'm sure it's caught everybody a time or two where you see a comeback or go right through the mound mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, base hit, and then wait a minute, there's a guy standing there. Yeah. Yeah. But then. Hey, I mean, that's that's at the same time, you know, we're in the age of the day where it's like all baseball is all about scouting and say your metrics and where these guys tend to hit the ball. And so why why should you limit why should you limit teams on defending against that when you're not limiting hitters on what they can do? I mean, I know that you can't necessarily control that, but that that to me just just says you you're you're eliminating a part of the game that's evolving. I see that. I think hitters will uh, scouts will eventually start trying to get get more guys that go gap to gap. And and that's and so I right think now right now it just drives me nuts sometimes when the shift is on and you're just like what in the world is going on here and then and then the hitter hits right into it and it's it's just frustrating to me. It's it's not that because I don't really like changing the rules of the game too much, but it does frustrate me when I see that. I'm not entirely certain. That uh, Jay Bruce didn't take Jason Stark's phone and tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you you really want to see the shift? You watch Joe as uh, a Joey Gallo with the Rangers. Oh yeah, I, I mean, know. They put yeah. the third baseman almost on second base. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. But like that, and that's the kind of guy you have to defend against because Joey Gallo will literally, literally maybe point one percent of the time will put the ball on the left side of the infield when he's batting. And what? Why is that? Why should defenses have to? Why should defenses have to have to not defend against that? What? Why should there be a rule that says we can't defend against that? That should be Joey Gallo has to adjust to the game and learn how to be a real baseball player and hit the ball to all parts of the field. I agree. Um, I, I kind of with with Branch's point of saying you have to have two fielders on the each side of the base, you could still put somebody right behind second base if you institute a rule like that. Um, otherwise, I don't know how you would enforce something, a rule to against the shift. And like, I agree. Say, yeah, you know, it, it would be a mess if they did do it. I don't think they're going to do it because it would be a true mess. Yeah. But it is or something interesting to think about. What about <laughs> in the extreme circumstances when they bring in an outfielder to play, you know, like you said, behind second base, and then you've got five infielders, is that going to be outlawed? Right, like if it's bases loaded and yeah, yeah. You don't want and and one of the things that I had mentioned uh, in a in a previous conversation is it's one of the things that uh, it, it could be a rally killer. You know, when you when that shift is on and you hit a ground ball, that might be a you know in between maybe the second baseman and second the second base and the second baseman that may have been a hit otherwise, and all of a sudden you know, the shortstop picks it up and you know it's two outs and all of a sudden they're gone. But, you know, if, if a runner gets thrown out at third base of the first out, that could also be a rally killer. Uh, should we should we ban that kind of thing? It's You have to get into the weeds, essentially, with things. 
Yeah, I'm not... anything that adds more rules, I'm not a big fan of. Exactly. Uh, just because we all know that officiating in sports is terrible, so you're just looking for a bad call to be made if you're if you're putting in more rules, regardless of what it's about. Uh, just that's just my opinion. Um, this this podcast has been way too nice. We need to get some. <laughs> We get some drunk jar or something. I tell you what. That, well, we need, to, we need to get to some hot topics. Yeah, when we were recording that podcast at Reds Fest, I literally deleted 15 minutes of Jair's ramblings because I had to protect the innocent. Anyway. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that because, yeah. So. How about we uh, dive into this next topic about analyzing some Reds tweets? Tucker Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart, how about the five-up so phone we, shake? I'm calling it the five-up yeah. phone shake. So what does it mean to me? And, and and then the Reds also replied with the looking eyes. So, well, in just in my opinion, Tucker Barnhart was looking for approximately five weeds. So he wanted five weeds, so he asked the dealer to get up and call him and make the deal, the five-up phone shake. So Tucker was looking for precisely five weeds, and that was his signal to the dealer. Tell me wrong. You speak Indiana, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) The Red Fest poker thing? What? I don't know. Forget what I said. Okay. Kev. (laughs) What does it yeah. mean? Uh, it's a five-player deal involving the Cleveland Indians, and one of his best friends from the Indians is coming over, and he's not telling us who it is. And everybody knows something's close, but the Reds won't announce anything until it happens. Branch, what does it mean? Uh, Kev might be right. I think he was on the phone with actually some deal, some players helping, uh, probably a pitcher, trying to help out, a, probably a signing more, more or less. Well, they've all been on social trying to recruit people to come here. So so is the five of five years for like a five-year deal? I was thinking it was more like high. <laughs> high up phone shake. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it would definitely be more likely a signing than anything else. I'm still saying he's getting weed from his dealer. <laughs> um, I don't he know. I feel, right. I, feel like he, I feel like Tucker probably smoked some good weed. He's probably going to move on Twitter for that. Well, here's the thing. He's from Indiana, so there's only a couple things you can do in Indiana, and one <laughs> of them is smoke weed. So, so he probably gets high as fuck all the time. And you know what? I can't blame him. Hey, hey, this is a judgment-free podcast. Yes. I, and you know what? More power to you, Tucker. Yeah, I mean... Probably helps you stay calm when you're when you're catching guys like... You know, Sal, who's given up 20 home runs a year. Or Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey. Oh, can you imagine catching Homer Bailey and not being stoned? Oh, gosh. You remember last year? He was on, uh, oh, it was back when uh, Pat McAfee was doing a podcast, still what's I think Barstool or whatever. And he was on after he won the gold glove. And Pat asked him, he said, how, how, how are the pitchers? And he basically said, fucking nuts. <laughs> they're just crazy. He said how they can live that amped up all the time out there. He has no idea. All right. My, I'm pretty sure he's referring to Homer Bailey on that one. 
Yes. He probably was, 100%. Yeah. All right. Here, so I'm looking at it now. This happened at 7.35 a.m. yesterday. So this is early in the morning. My theory is he says, hi, pick up the phone and make a deal. Who is he calling? Nick Kroll. Is it, is it Dallas? Big Mouth. He's calling Big Mouth. Dallas Latos. Ooh, is he calling Dallas Latos? But I don't think he is. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe you just you more power to <laughs> Not, I'm saying, I'm saying, is he calling Dallas Kegel? Is Who's it he Kegel? Calling? Did you just call him Kegel? How do you say his name? I don't know. It's Keiko. It's, it's not yeah, it's like Ke- it's not Kegel. He's not doing the exercises. I'm calling Kegel. Well, he, you don't know that he's not doing the, na- the exercises. Kev, you got to do know. the exercise. Keep everything nice and tight. Kev, yeah. Yeah. No. Kev's got 17 kids. I thought it was 37. It's, not, it's actually 43. Oh, yeah. It's been an hour. That's true. <laughs> he pumps out kids. It's his... Basically, Kevin likes to fuck. What? <laughs> <laughs> All, right. Anyway. All right, Borf. What, Where are we at? What, uh, what notable transactions happened today in Red's history? Uh, so notable transactions, uh, on December 5th of 2007, we released Jorge Cantu. No. Uh, if you remember, we had Jorge Cantu for a couple months, and that was the same year Joey Vado had kind of, you know, braced the league a little bit. Um, and with the releasing of Jorge Cantu, that paved the way for Joey Vado to come in and uh, establish himself as the everyday first baseman. He played 151 games next year in 2008. That's some fine Reds history right there. It is. Yeah. What do you say we get into some fan questions? Who's ready for some fan questions? I'm ready for it. Branch, the, the first one's actually yours. You want to read it? Or do you even know what you said? No idea. Okay. So would we, including you, since you're on the podcast, be in favor of signing Andrew McCutcheon to a two-year deal? Would Andrew McCutcheon take a two-year deal? Okay. I want to preface this with knowing it's a stupid idea, but I like Andrew McCutcheon, so I would do it personally, but it would not be a good deal for Andrew McCutcheon or the Reds in any way, shape, or form. But just because I enjoy watching Andrew McCutcheon play for all those years, I'm a little sentimental about it. I think he'd do well at Great American. Uh, I would only do it for, like you said, a two-year deal is a stopgap until Trammell's ready. But, I mean, if you strike out on Pollock or... Uh, you're not looking to move Senzel to the outfield. I mean, it's worth looking at. I could go full lot jockety on it and go, well, he'd be a good mentor for Trammell, Friedel, Siri. You know, but I I don't want to do that to myself. If you're going full Walt jockety, you can't sign him because he's not a former Cardinal. Well, good point, good point. (laughs) Kev? Uh, I'm I'm agreeing with what you guys are saying about that. I like the way he hits. He's past his prime. But us actually um, having the guts to release Billy Hamilton, and if they're not going to choose to play Nick Senzel in center field, they need somebody to play center field. So if we miss on, on A.J. Pollock or whoever else is out there, I, I'm, I'm still feeling that we're going to trade for a center fielder in one of these trades. That That's probably what, if there is to be a blockbuster in with Cleveland, that's what it is. It's an outfielder and a pitcher, my opinion. So who would play center that you'd get from Cleveland? 
Exactly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bored. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, initially I say no. Um, but I'll say this. If you're able to trade Scooter for, you know, say a mid-tier, a mid-tier starter and, and give Nick Senzel a position to play, and you're able to then get Andrew McCutcheon on a two-year, some let's say between fifteen and twenty-five million dollar deal. Um, I would not be upset with that. Um, but for that, I say no. You have to, you, I, you have to get the pitching first. Um, get the pitching. Yeah, you have to get the pitching. That's get the pitching. That's what it comes down to. But if you're if you're going to sign Andrew McCutcheon, you have to get rid of the scooter first. I, I think that's the case. I think that goes into the next question, which is actually from Kev, about where would you play Nick Senzel. I'd play him at second because I'd trade Scooter. And I would have traded him at the deadline last year. I think if you're going to deal him, now's the time, since you haven't yet. He's got one year left, his, his third year of arbitration. I've not handed him a five-year deal for $100 million. So, I think you could probably get a number three starter type for him. I don't know if you could get like a Sonny Gray of, with him alone because I don't know if the Yankees would want Scooter. But uh, I would play Nixon Zelt second base. So, what I'll say, I think the Yankees would like a Scooter because I think his left handed bat would play really, really well in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he would increase his loft a lot, which is increase his home run total. And with Yankee Stadium being Yankee Stadium, I think that would benefit him. Um, but personally, Nick Senzel, I play him in center field, left field, right field, second base, shortstop, third base, wherever you can get him in. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think in 2018, if you don't move Scooter, he's your super utility guy where he's playing almost every day, but possibly in a different position. You know, kind of looking at what the Cubs have done with Ian Happ, um, even with Kyle Schwarber, even though he's fat and unathletic. Um, but they've done it with Chris Bryant as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he's played he's played several games in the outfield, several different positions in the outfield. Uh, so that's that's I think for Nick Senzel, I think you play him to get him in the lineup. You play him in any position you can. Uh, if they don't move Scooter and otherwise they play him at second base, yes. What do you think, Branch? Well, uh, it's funny because that's kind of what when they picked up Scooter off of waivers, we kind of thought that was a pretty good deal and that he was going to be that, you know, utility, you know, left-handed bat off the bench. And then he came to Cincinnati and, well, he just kept on hitting balls out of the damn park. Um, he was a slapping some balls, that's for sure. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> and uh, you got to get Senzel in there somewhere. I mean, we know we got to go through the bullshit first two to three weeks of him sitting down in – Triple A working on his defense, sitting the bench or whatever the hell they'll, 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 they'll tell us. It's they'll called avoiding that. Super Two. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We, yeah, we all know what it is, but yeah, uh, yeah. which is crap. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean you got to get him in, and I'm fine with them playing Senzel in um, in center field. I've always been of the mindset that if you can kind of play shortstop, you probably can play anywhere else on the field. Yeah. And uh, what I've seen of Nick Senzel in Louisville and in spring training last year. The kid's an athlete. He's going to adapt and be able to play. He might not be perfect right when he gets there, but uh, he'll get there. I mean, look at what Suarez did when he first moved to th third. That was horrible at first. Now look at him. 
pretty, pretty, oh. pretty good, you yeah. know. He played, he played the entire point. year in the field, so. Right. I I mean, even Jose Peraza played some games in center field. So, yeah. to me, as long as Nick Senzel is on the team and in the lineup, I don't really care where he plays. He probably doesn't care either. It, but Exactly. I want him, and like like we've just said, they're not going to for Super 2 reasons, but I want him starting opening day and being an everyday player. So do, will it still affect his Super 2? With I mean, even with him losing time last year in the minors, is that will it still affect his Super Two with if he comes up on opening day? Uh, the way I understand it is, um, it's solely based on Major League Service time. Okay. So if he accumulates so many days in that first two years, it's per day. Yeah. It's always yeah. right. He would he would be eligible for the Super Two, which is just a fourth year of arbitration. People think that. It means that the player gets to be a free agent sooner. No, it just means you pay him more because he gets a fourth year of arbitration. Jay Bruce was a super two. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, Kev, you also wanted to know about the coaching staff. We're not going to talk about that. Um, new full-time uniforms. I kind of I want to see what they do with the, uh, the throwbacks. I know they're going to do them on certain weekends. I really like the 1911, the blue one, but that's just me. Um Lowest level prospect in terms of class that you see is having the biggest, becoming the biggest star. Uh, Kev, since you asked that, why don't you start? Well, I'm, I'm trying to talk about, I know, we all know that we have Senzel and Trammell and Tony Santillan now. All those guys starting to come up, and I was just trying to think of, in my opinion, it's a guy like I, I don't know if we were talking about it or if it was another chat, but um, TJ is it Friedel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Friedel, and I could see him moving quite quick. He seems like a guy that's got a um, a good eye at the plate, likes to get on base, very healthy or uh, very quick. He's healthy too. Why? Yeah. Well, that's that's important with us for sure. <laughs> but it seems yeah, I mean, like we some, some lower level talents like. What is it? Even the guy we got last year in the fourth round, was it? Siani? Yeah, oh, that's who I was going to say. Yeah. He's on my list as well. I'm a big fan of all the young center fielders we have down there. Surely some of these guys will hit. So far, I mean, fun fact about uh, TJ is I, I think it was it, – it, it might have been his senior or junior year, but it was something of uh, the way that the draft played out where – he ended up being eligible to be in the draft, but wasn't drafted, and no one found out about it until later. And then the Reds ended up being able to sign him to a, a contract because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't list him as a redshirt freshman that, or sophomore. They listed him as a sophomore. Right. So a lot of people didn't realize he could actually be drafted, so he didn't get drafted. Right. And then after afterwards, they realized he was, hey, he's eligible since he's actually been three years. He's now a free agent. And that, that was, I believe the Reds were, the, Reds so were able to sign it because they were the they had uh, what not signed a couple of players and they had the most money left of their yes. draft. So they yes. signed way more than him, else yeah, they gave him seven hundred and thirty two thousand dollars, seven hundred thirty two five hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So seven hundred thirty two thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, just to be an amateur free agent, he's he's done nothing but excel in professional ball so far. Yeah, and with having some zone discipline and also having 70 speed, that doesn't usually happen. 
Right. You no, know, that's that's pretty nice. Uh, but don't worry, the the Reds are very deliberate, and he will be up by his age twenty nine season. So twenty thirty two, baby. Here we go. <laughs> And, and you know what? That's one thing the Reds do need to get better at, and maybe that's something David Bell can help with is directing the organization and being like, let's let's be a little bit more aggressive with our prospects and give them a taste and see what they can do. And frankly, if they're not ready, then let's cycle through them because I'm I'm me personally, I'm sick of seeing these guys in an organization for six years and not even touching the majors. Well, that was the argument last year with Sinzel is if he's in Cincinnati, he's not breaking his finger in Louisville. Yeah, exactly. He's not. But you got Scooter, who they want to sign now to an extension. Hope to God they don't. No. No, Scooter. Let's go to last week's uh, podcast co-host, Emily Witt. She asked a three-part question, which Emily had her hands full literally and figuratively uh, Friday, so uh, let's dive into this. Uh, in terms of winter meetings, best case scenario, likely scenario, and worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is they do nothing, which is probably also the likely scenario. Yeah. Uh, so my worst ca- my worst case scenario was, one, uh, Tricky Dick hits all the titty bars and casinos instead of actually talking with anyone, uh, or they do nothing. Uh, I'd say my worst case scenario is they trade Nick Senzel for a guy like Sonny Gray. Oh, yeah. Why don't you I mean, just? You want worst case scenario? It's it's that is worst case. That's, that's, that's worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is they trade Senzel and Hunter Green for uh, Trevor Bauer. Oh God! Also, oh. also worst case scenario. I don't mind getting rid of Hunter Green, but don't get rid of the guys that are come up and hit and drive in runs. Right. Get those young pitchers that are undefined that people are the, the sexy young pitchers that people salivate over, and then you know we'll trade for pitchers later. Do what do what the Astros did. Develop the hitting, trade for the pitching. Yep. Do you yeah. think uh, Centian is somebody that everybody else is asking for now? With the season he had last year, I wouldn't. I would say everybody's going to ask for him. Yep. I think that uh, I think if you're going to get a Bauer or a Kluber or something like that, that Santillan's probably going to be in the package. Is, is that okay with you? It is if um, if you're getting that frontline starter, yes. Yeah, frontline starter for sure. But and and I just hate to say it, I just don't want to see the Reds get you know nixed on a trade because they've done it in the past where they've overpaid and given up you know. Three premier prospects for you know a, a, maybe a mid to that's that's the that's the deal I'm looking at. Well, go- like, like to give up Santion, I'm going to need a pitcher that's going to be in the majors in the well, it's the Reds, so probably three more years before Santion Santion can see the majors. Right. So it's, he's going to have to be young enough and have a three and three years left, and it's going to have to be a pretty good start. Because if you're going, it's basically saying, hey, I'm going to cast this chip in now to get three years now that I'm not going to get otherwise. And so, um, and, to me, Santian is is like the Santian's like the the he's like the uh, the the bonus chip in at the end. You know, it's like I'm gonna go all in, and then he's he's the side chip at the end that you win. It's a bonus chip that someone's gonna throw in because, like you said, he's not quite ready, but he's a great talent and he's very very developable. Developable. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's easy for you to say. Um, but yeah, it's easier said than you know, obviously. Uh, no, um, I I am just loath to trade Sinzel or Tramiel yep. for any of the guys that have been mentioned. I agree. No, I, yeah. I would go up to Hunter Green, or as Jared would call him, Tyler Green. I would even go with I I, w- I could even part with Jonathan India, but. Tramel and Sinzel to me are the cornerstones, along with uh, Eugenio Suarez, of the next seven years. And I, agree. I just am low to trade them unless you just get overwhelmed with something. Unless it's for Jacob Degrom or Max Scherzer, no, right, not doing it. I'm with you. Yep, I completely agree. I think I I, I know you and I, Coop, have talked about this, but I, to me, Tramel is Tramel is the next big red star. I think he's he's not a guy that's going to hit for huge power numbers, but he's a guy that's going to be a staple in your lineup for – he could be a guy that's a staple in your lineup for eight to nine to ten years. Yep. You know, consistently a 300 hitter and be at the top of your lineup and just be a great defensive outfield. Yeah, I, I, I could see him ended up being a lot like Andrew McCutcheon. Not a huge power guy, but an all-around really great player. Yeah, but could even develop power because McCutcheon had some great power for a couple of years. Yeah. Plus well, he's playing. That's a good comp. Yeah, plus a great American ballpark. A lot exactly. Of fly balls he's hitting in triple in well, I say triple A in double A could be home runs. I mean, you want to know what? Well, so let's let's look at what Tremel's done here. He's he's 21. Uh, he was drafted in the first round, third fifth overall, and over three seasons in rookie A ball and advanced A ball, he's hit 284. On base percentage of 372. Give me that right now. Slugging percentage is 428. He's had 317 hits over those three seasons, 52 doubles, 20 triples, 23 home runs. Again, not a big power guy. Drove in 150 runs, but stolen 90 bases. So he's getting on base. He's fast, advancing bases. And then just in the Arizona Fall League this year, hit 298, got on base at a 360 clip. And slugged 393 with 25 hits, four doubles, two triples. So the dude can play baseball. I'm a big, big fan of this guy. Imagine the Reds with a guy getting on base at a 360 clip batting lead off. Can, can you imagine replacing Billy Hamilton with Taylor Trammell with those numbers? Can you imagine Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, even Scooter Jeanette driving him in? Absolutely. I mean, that's what they needed to put in front of Joey the entire time we've had him. In right. Yeah. Exactly. Instead that's of batting second at that. I mean, yeah. That's possibly Fred's future leadoff hitter. They've been looking one, looking for a leadoff hitter for 15 years, if not more. Taylor Trammell is quite possibly the actual leadoff hitter they've been looking for. So to me, yes, he is untouchable. And you think most of Billy, uh, most of Joey, Han- uh, I can't talk now. Most of Joey Votto's career, he's had Billy Hamilton and Zach Cozart hitting in front of him. Imagine the guys getting on base in front of him. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I'm sorry, Joey. It's not like Chu was stealing any bases to make things easier on Joey when he was there. Right, and he was just here for a year. Yeah. All right, let's get into some some more uh, viewer slash listener questions. Here's Marge Shot at I am I'm hot for shot. <laughs> uh, which pitcher would will we pay too much money for this off season? Um, Red Reporter Hap, Hap. <laughs> yeah. Red Reporter had a uh, uh, article about Irvin Santana, and that just made me want to 
punch things because I don't want Irvin Santana. But I could see him or like a Gio Gonzalez being overpaid for. <laughs> that's Gio Gonzalez was on my list. I was like, that's exactly who I'm thinking is the Reds happen to overpay for because he's got a history with that with the pitching coach. Yeah, yeah, because in Milwaukee, or yeah. even a Wade Miller. What do you say, Kev? Uh, Miley, maybe. <laughs> Wade Miley. Yeah. It, yeah, that's Wade Miley. That's what I'm talking about. We say go full Walt Duck and you can get Lance Lynn. Lan- oh, God, not Lance Lynn. <laughs> Are we I, getting chubby Lance Lynn? Or I would rather have Lynn? Bartolo Colon than Lance Lynn. Bartolo! Wow. Yes. In full support of us signing Bartolo Colon? Because I think he brings an extra dynamic to the ball club. I would buy a Bartolo Colon jersey if the Reds signed him. <laughs> He brings an extra dynamic because I'm going to chug beers with Bartolo. He's saying he becomes a red. I mean, hell. And you know what? He would go out to the bars and he would probably chug beers with you. That that would be worth it. That's worth it. Give him all the money. Don't care. I agree. Yeah. Sign him to, you know what? Give Bartolo Clone one year, $75 million. And (laughs) I guess I bet the Reds would win the World Series. Who cares? We're going to chug beers with Bartolo after the game anyway. That's right. Kev. Yeah, what's up? Bartolo, yeah, your name. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Bartolo all day, every day. Yes, Daddy. Okay. Um, senior VP of Trivia Ops, which is at Red's GM, his question is, why? Oh, I have a good answer. Go for it. Because your mom. Yeah, because your mom's a dirty whore, senior VP of Trivia Ops. And she... <laughs> And she blew everybody on the podcast. That's why. All right. We really wanted to figure out what it would be like to black out and not have to take any responsibility for our actions and see if we still had jobs in the morning. You want to know why? Because Kevin impregnates everything. That's why. Kevin, why? I cannot confirm or deny that. All right. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, Stephen Ortlieb. Uh, at Steve Nortlieb. Uh, nice guy. I've met him. Um, if you had to play Adam Dunn at a defensive position besides left field or first base, where would you put him? Right field. <laughs> Third base. I, 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 I really struggled with this question. Because I, I, I guess, yeah, right field, I guess. Uh, my only other thought was maybe put him at third base but require him to you know, stand up like a starfish and just block any ball that might come his way and just dive any which way. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know. Because that's, that's the real, that's my, that might be the hardest question I have to answer tonight. Well, is it the end of his career, Adam Dunn, the highly immobile Adam Dunn? <laughs> I we don't know. Mo- we just might as well assume the highly immobile Adam Dunn. Left tackle. <laughs> yeah, he was a high school quarterback. He was really good. I'd say, I'd say uh, catcher, but I'm not sure that he fought down. All right. He played quarterback in Texas. He was, yeah. I think, he was a backup in Texas. Yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he, um, he didn't. I don't think he got any game time, but yeah, he was on the roster. Mm-hmm. How badass was it that he was double fisting last year? That's Gosh, that's, that's, that the that's the dunner. That's the dunner. Yes. Steve also Adam. asks Jim Edmonds worst red of all time. I disagree. Have you ever he heard of Chris Heisey? Who? Chris Heisey. Ever heard of him? He's the worst red of all time. Wow. Worse than Jim wow. Edmonds? 
Absolutely. Fuck, fuck Chris Izzy. I feel like there's a backstory here. Let's hear it. Chris Izzy just sucks. I hated watching him play. I thought he was a little bitch. Uh, every time he came to play, I fucking hated watching him. I just hate Chris Izzy. He's just one of my most least favorite Reds of all time, and I think he's way worse than Jim Edmonds ever was. Whether we signed, we signed Jim Edmonds at the tail end of his career, Chris Heisey was in the prime of his career and still sucked dick. Fuck Chris Heisey. <laughs> he had a home run on my birthday when I was there. I well, actually wasn't even home run to the Grand Slam. I'm happy for you, but he still sucks dick. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go, instead of Jim Edmonds, I'm going to go Ryan Madsen because he blew his arm out and the Reds had to pay $8 million oh, and I didn't throw God. a pitch. And, then he hurt Joey about his knee yeah. this year, like a bitch, for no fucking. Ryan Manson uh, can get. We fucked. still blame him for a role this never starting a game. Oh, that's right. That's true. That's why he was originally hated. Oh god. Oh, I really don't like that guy. Yeah, Ryan Manson. A starter or to be our closer in 2012. Ryan Manson, if you're listening. Had already built up uh, a role this in the spring training to be. Can we get Ryan Manson as a guest? Ryan Manson, if you're listening. Fuck you. Ryan Madsen, send us your address, and we're going to egg your house. I'm going to send you a big bag of dicks, Ryan Madsen. Yeah, a big bag of flaming dicks that as soon as you open the package, they the glitter just bomb. The glitter bomb. He's getting the glitter bomb. Glitter bombs are good. Yeah. All right, Never sent one. Always wanted to. Well, Branch, you didn't give us – who's your worst red of all time? Oh, hell no. I'm sitting here wanting to – yeah, just thinking about Ryan Madsen. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. I tell you what, um, 2013, we blew a lot of leads. Or 2014. And Kevin Gregg blew most of them. Oh, um, Kevin Gregg. Fuck yep. that guy. I hate that guy. Oh, my God. That was such a bad signing. God, he was terrible. Oh, all right, let's move on to at Woo the Reds. You've probably seen him on Twitter. Why has there been such a lack of cornhog on the podcast? I thought this brand stood for something. <laughs> so, I should probably tell the backstory of cornhog for the people who may not know. So, friend of the show and friend in real life, Casey, she's K- KY Red's girl on Twitter. She tweeted a picture a couple of spring trainings ago of this massive corn dog that she bought. And let me tell you, it looked like a big old yeah. piece of man meat. Who <laughs> wants the man meat? So we, meaning I, and I think Jeremy was involved too, because imagine that. Uh, we named it Corn Hog instead of Corn Dog, because it looked like a big old hog made out of corn. And So Corn Hog was born. The Reds don't really appreciate Corn Hog as much as I do. Um... <laughs> <laughs> there was there was one opening night where Jer and I pulled up the picture on our phones and we're trying to get it on Reds Live, and uh, they stopped bringing the camera over to our side <laughs> <laughs> because I mean you look at it and you think oh they got penises on their screen but no it was a big corn dog. Well, I so, think you made I think you made the Scott Shelbler uh, corn hog. Uh, yeah, oh, that's- yeah. My favorite flight, get, uh, uh, meme or whatever. That was pretty pretty epic. Yeah, shout out to uh, Storm Chaser Nick for some uh, 
some uh, corn hog creations that he's made for me. <laughs> uh, he made the one with the 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 like mariachi hat and the maracas, like the gif of the corn hog. <coughs> so shout outs there. Um, and Casey really loves when you talk about corn hog. So if you tweet at KY Reds Girl or gal, <laughs> yeah. just say I love corn hog, and we'll see how many people really listen to this podcast. So as soon as you hear this, tweet at KY Reds Gal. I love Cornhog. <laughs> Casey's going to kill you. That's all right. She loves me. Uh, <laughs> well, for now. We've got a couple more questions. Uh, go Navy, beat Army at one sooner nut. Will you take a tough questions like, is a hot dog a sandwich? A hot dog is not a fucking sandwich. A hot dog is a hot dog. <laughs> A hot dog is a hot dog, nothing more, nothing less. A hot dog's a sandwich, and a hero is not a fucking taco. Period. <laughs> hot dog is not a sandwich. Hot dog is not a sandwich. Kev. Hot dog, not a sandwich. All right. You, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. This last one, I don't know. This is from your dad. That's his name. <laughs> At LDog02 on Twitter. There are questions your dad does not want answered. Does my face make me look fat? The answer is yes. Yeah. Also, one there was one last question that was submitted very late. <clears throat> Jimmy at JR now two J R N A L L two. Now that it's been made public that the Reds are looking for the pitching, is there a pizza more overrated than La Rosa's? My answer is no. La Rosa sucks. Branch. I do not like La Rosa's pizza. Kev. Not a fan. I mean, it's okay, but it's not what people make it out to be. So it's, well, it's Papa John's. Papa John's is, there, is terrible. It's, it's oh, Papa John's. No. Yeah, but you, when you're when you eat Papa John's, you're also evil. <laughs> we might have to cut. Jared's, Jared's the only one that's a fan of. <laughs> I think you might have to cut that. That was bad. I'll just leave that part where I say we might have to cut that and people will just have to wonder. <laughs> Maybe we should have all reacted. Oh, oh yeah. Apparently <laughs> that was you have to cut all of that. <laughs> this is our last topic since we've been going for an hour and I'm you know, I have to go to work tomorrow. Uh <laughs> wish list for guests for future shows. Todd's wife should be number one. Todd's <laughs> wife has got to be number one. For those of you who don't know Todd, our buddy Todd, oh, Todd, he's at Bitter Reds fan. We just want to know how his wife lives with him. <laughs> he's, he's working now. Well, I mean, now. Um. Kev, you seem to have more of a relationship with Todd than anyone else here. Explain Todd. Uh, he's my bro. You're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> Todd has good beard. Um... <laughs> that Todd has good beard. <laughs> I've he's, never uh, Todd. he's one of you uh, wildcats. That's good. He's one of the weaker things. Takes a lot of flack. But he's a good dude. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm... Okay, I want I want Danny Graves to come on the show. So we can tell him to go fuck himself. 
No, just so I oh. can ask him why he why he flipped everyone off because he was he was a cool guy until then. He got booed. That's why. Yeah, it happens to the best I'll, of us though. I'll tweet at him. I know he lives in uh, San Antonio. Oh well, you're back right there. Jamie Ramsey on the show. Can I ask him why he wants to punch people? <laughs> well, then we need to have that Jim Day on the show and ask him why he kills baby giraffes. <laughs> uh, can we get Jim Day on the show? Because oh, I would love to have Jim Day on the on the podcast. Here's the thing, Miss. He'd probably say yes. The draft thing is a joke, but there's some other things that we can hit him for that we're just not going to mention right now. We will not. Because yeah, I used to be a fan from Jim Day until I found those things out. And we're just going to leave you guessing at that. <laughs> Jim Day, come on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on on the show, Jim Day. Everybody tweet at Jim Day and tell him to come on the Hunt for Reds October podcast. You're already tweeting Casey about the corn hog. Now tweet Jim Day and say, hey, this at, is a podcast for you. At Jim Day TV. Also, please ask him to <sighs> because I won't tell him to suck dick anymore. <laughs> well, I just left me speechless. Wow. Get the damn pitching. That's all we got to say is get the damn pitching. Get, get the pitching. The get the pitching. pitching. Get the pitching. By pitching, that means more than one. Here's, here's my shout out to uh, Chad Dotson, who is uh, – Stepping down as the managing editor of Red Leg Nation. Um, he's turned it over to Doug Gray. If, if you know Doug, he uh, runs the Reds Minor League website. But my shout out to Chad is if you ever listen to the Red Leg Nation podcast, he likes to say this Lisa Verdo Bonilla. Shout out to Chad. <laughs> His favorite player of all time. His favorite player of all time. Oh. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. So, for Borf and Kev and Branch, this is Coop saying, God help us all. <laughs>